0: Hello everyone, and welcome back to In Our 1990s, the podcast where we spend our Father's Day ranking alternative albums from the 1990s and not talking to our fathers.
1: I mean, I, I talked to my father via the internet.
0: Yeah, I, I tested. Uh, I'm your host, Natalie, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Hadrian, and uh, we just heard from you, but how are you doing, Hadrian? I'm not so bad. Yeah, neither of us have children, so, you know.
1: I mean, we do, but they're animals, and Well, they've yeah. been real shits today.
0: We don't have human children, so neither of us are.
1: I was sitting at the table just trying to eat my goddamn spicy eggplants in peace, and my cat just sits there on the kitchen counter, growling the entire time until I stand up, and then he gets on the table where I was. Just like, that that's been my day.
0: He's probably mad about all the Christian music that we've been listening to for the past <laughs> week.
1: It is the black cat that's mad.
0: Uh, yeah, exactly. Devil Cat. Yep, yep. Devil Man Kitty.
1: Yeah, so uh, we're going to start with uh, that Sixpence Down the Richer album.
0: Yeah, The Fatherless and the Widow. It's thematically appropriate.
1: Which, I mean, that would not just be Bastards and Widows, but I guess you can't because this is a good Christian album.
0: Yeah, they they didn't learn this. Yeah, there's The Fatherless and the Widow, not the Widows. I, I wasn't sure. I had to, had to make sure there.
1: So yeah, this the, album is like super fucking 90s.
0: Yeah, and it's, so Spotify says this came out in 1995. That is inaccurate, I learned. Okay. Um, However, there does not seem to be agreement on when it came out.
1: Which might be why. I saw both
0: 1993 and 1994, and Spotify says 1995. I think that it was recorded in 93 and released in 94. That's what I'm going to go with for the purposes of the year that we put on the rankings
1: yeah i mean it seemed really weird that all three of those albums would be released in 95 so i think it just i think because it is christian music and christian music kind of exists in this weird counter release schedule where it just kind of exists and happens that there wasn't a permanent date
0: And, and especially at this point in alternative christian music i mean this was relatively early in the existence of such a thing
1: yeah, so the, the Sixpence None the Richer, like you'll know them best for the song "Kiss Me," which is on their nineteen ninety seven album, which was on the soundtrack of every romantic movie in the early two thousands. But this, they started off as a, you know, just a spangly little christian band and they
0: started off as the christian sundays my god <laughs> i have never heard an album rip off the sundays as hard as this album does
1: christians need need the sundays too yo like
0: i mean hey i love the sundays i i have ripped off the sundays at times that's not a knock on them it's just the cranberries didn't rip off the sundays this hard <laughs> and the first cranberries album You can go track by track against the first Sunday's album, and they're all the same songs. Yeah, so... Um, But at least they had their own guitar tones, whereas Matt Slocum from Search Spence and the Richer, he just listened (laughs) to David Gavurin and said, These are my guitar tones, too.
1: Yeah, so in the mid-90s, which this album is best just said in the mid-90s is kind of where it exists, I was aware of the worship music becoming a thing. And it was starting to sound more like this. It was starting to sound... It's where all of those annoying songs anyone my age knows where like people slowly wave their hands in the air yes. while the preacher talks, or it's like the, the the church band is butchering this poor song. That's the era that this this album is from, but this is a better version of it. I would happily invite... Sixpence done the (laughs) Richard to perform at a church to be like, could you please just come do the song? This might make church bearable.
0: It's better than that except for when it is exactly that.
1: It is exactly that. Which is
0: only, it's only exactly that on like two songs. Yes. But where it gets into the weird like culty, hypnotic stare blankly ahead and wave your hands slowly side to side trust is very much that and i think trust is the worst at that
1: and trust was kind of a pioneer among songs that sounded like that
0: and musings which is the song right before that Mm -hmm. right before trust is also that and and never fucking call a song musings jesus christ (laughs) it's like the equivalent of calling your song a friendly reminder
1: yep but yeah this album is kind of it's not, there's not a lot of meat here, but it's not something particularly egregious beyond, like, the overt Christianity, which is not bad, necessarily, but it really is a kind of juxtaposition from, like, these, oh, okay, kind of dreamy, wishy-washy love songs, and then we're gonna praise him, and just like, oh, okay.
0: Yeah, and trust is actually just, uh... I, I knew I had heard those lyrics before somewhere. It's Proverbs three, five, and mm-hmm. six changed into a song, which is weird because the songwriting credit I don't think mentions that.
1: I think a I think a good Christian which we are not would have known it immediately. I'm
0: Well apparently Sixpence and the Richer are also not.
1: I'm side eyeing the microphone really hard, not that anyone can tell, but <laughs> I, I was Look, I spent the last hour before we started recording reading the Satanic Bible, so my brain is in a real, it's like, let's shit on religion uh, kind of mood. But, yeah, it's, I think, but I think in the essence of it being used in, like, a church group or a church scenario, people would have known that.
0: Yeah, it's just weird to me that you, I mean, I, I don't, I guess I don't know who you would credit, but it just seems weird to me not to, just to be like, we wrote the song. Well, they wrote the music. Like, uh, yeah, but that's—I mean—songwriting is the lyrics too, and and it, I mean it's, it. Maybe it says if you look at the liner notes, like adapted from Proverbs three five through six. I don't know.
1: It's yeah. It, it is what it is.
0: This is uh, another good example of. All music reviews gone wild. I don't know if you looked up the, the all music review of this one. I did not. Uh, they gave it one and a half stars and oh. said nothing but good things about it in the text of the review.
1: <laughs> this, this album's worth more than one and a half stars. It, yeah,
0: it, it's. I, I almost feel like bad all music reviews should be a segment on this show because I keep running into them. It, it, they either read like the person didn't actually listen to more than a couple of songs on the album or it's like this one where it's like, this is all this is all pretty good. Uh, you know, a couple of songs are kind of clunky, but otherwise, good stuff. One and a half stars.
1: Yeah, I think I think we should make all music reviews it's... part of this. We each look at the all music reviews for the week, and then we have like a all music time after we <laughs> after we rank the albums.
0: All music is a useful resource, but not necessarily for reviews.
1: No, and sometimes I talk about their ass, because this album is completely fine. It is a, it is not offensive, it is not overly ambitious, it is a middle-of-the-road, your mother would not object to this unless your mother was my mother, and I like the song Field of Flowers a lot. That song's pretty great.
0: Yeah, I think Spotlight is the best Song on the album, personally?
1: mm mm-hmm. Uh, I think the first three, Field of Flower, Spotlight, and The Fatherless and the Widow, which is a, a slightly more- a slightly darker-toned song than the other two, is- th- they're fine. Like, I was cleaning my office when I had this album on last, and it was like, you know, fine. Like, I- I- I, I don't know how to describe it other than it's not bad,
0: it, I mean, you describe it by saying, have you listened to reading, writing, and earth and hit by the Sundays? Imagine that with worship <laughs> lyrics. Yeah. Except not always worship lyrics. I mean, it's pretty Jesus-y, but like...
1: The it, reason this band crossed over, which I would say that they firmly crossed over from Christian rock, is that their, their music that hits isn't overtly Christian, and the lyrics aren't going to alienate anyone. So, like, think about Kiss Me, for example. That song crossed over because it was like "and kiss me." It was like very nice, melodic, and you just you don't want to dislike that song, even though it's an earworm and terrible for that. And the, there are songs that are like that that aren't directly reference referencing worship. You you'd be any teenage girl in the '90s would have totally had these albums because they were safe to listen to and. There wasn't one of the scary, angry women singing.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's Lil' Fair music for people who would never, like, consider saying anything good about a painting done with menstrual blood.
1: You say, what? what? <laughs>
0: you heard me. You yeah. heard me, Amanda Palmer.
1: Oh, Lord.
0: Um... I was surprised when this band, this has nothing to do with this album, but when this band covered uh, There She Goes by The Laws and didn't change the gender.
1: I think that that's fine.
0: I feel like they're probably in that, like, like, jars of clay zone of, like, we really love Jesus and we're kind of milk toast, but, like, I don't know that, like, I don't hate gay people, <laughs> I feel like that's where this band is at.
1: So, my, my personal story with this band is that a girl I know who came out as the biggest lesbian I have ever met in my life. This was her favorite band. This is the music for the lesbian at the church service.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, she probably appreciated that they didn't change the genders, and there she goes.
1: Yeah, and, like, I'm sorry, Amy, but you probably will never hear this, but, you know, it's fine. But i I I just thought it was funny that this was one of your favorite bands. <laughs> and it's worth it. It it's, has a very summery vibe. I think all of their music does to some degree that you just, it's, and that was part of their popularity was that you just put it on a playlist, mixtape, and the 90s, later 90s, you burned a CD because you were rolling in money. Uh, and it was like you wouldn't know unless someone... Unless people like us lift the veil going, Do you know they sing about Jesus?
0: <laughs> I, yeah, I... I'm not sure. I somehow... So... I have a weird history with Christian music and Christianity in general and that I was raised in a very conservative evangelical family, but, like, they were also very inconsistent about it. <laughs> so, I, like, I don't want to get into too much personal stuff, but I think that, like, mainly they just didn't want me to be gay and womp womp on that one. Um, But, like, th- they didn't really give much of a shit what music I listened to. So I, I didn't... I wasn't one of those kids who, like, had to listen to Christian music. And usually when I heard Christian music, I laughed my ass off at how bad it was. Oh, no, it's... it's... I, I was terrible in, in junior high when I had, like, started playing guitar and, and was, like... You know, this is in in a post-Nirvana world where I was really listening to, like, shit that, that, like, the church, that the youth group wouldn't approve of. And, like, someone played DC Talk for me, and I was just like, (laughs) what the fuck is this shit? I mean, this is, like, alternative music, but for Christians. It's like, no, this just fucking sucks. Um, so I was a jerk and, and I'm sorry about that they...
1: a lot of Christian music is bad though and this is Christian music that doesn't really suck I mean like the overtly Christian oh no stuff it does,
0: absolutely doesn't suck
1: yeah like, the overtly Christian stuff kind of does I remember this album in particular uh, beyond my friend Amy um, I used to go to church groups with friends because my, my family moved around all the time and we didn't really have a, a firm stance on religion but if the only time I could hang out with my friends was to go to their church group so be it and I was the asshole who knew enough about, you know, Judaism and the Old Testament to just chuckle in the youth group. But this would be playing in the worship hall in a non-denominational church in, like, 96. And so that's that's what I remember most yeah.
0: about it. Yeah. So I was going to say, I don't really know how I knew this was a Christian band, because I did, like... So people who are well-versed in nineties music might know about tooth and nail records, which is a Christian alternative record label. And basically if you've heard any Christian alternative music from the nineties that you liked, it was almost certainly on tooth and nail. Like this band is the one good Christian alternative band (laughs) that wasn't on tooth and nail. Um, and so like there is some good stuff there, but it's not worship music. I mean, like joy electric was on tooth and nail for a time, uh, and like I had, I have some tooth and nail compilations that have like good bands that you can't find anywhere else. Uh, I mean, like Fine China, I think might have been they were tooth and nail adjacent, and they're really good. They're they're like probably my second favorite Christian band behind Joy Electric. So, um, so like yeah, but anyway, I don't know how I knew this was Christian. I just knew. I must have just when when Kiss Me came out, I must have just like heard it on the radio, and then the DJ was like, "This this band's." This is a Christian band or something. And yeah, that would like,
1: have very much have been a, something a DJ in the 90s would have done. Because, like, do you realize this band's Christian? Yeah. Because offended DJs having to play a Christian record.
0: I, no DJs around here were offended by that, I don't think. Not on, like, pop radio. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how I knew it. But I, I knew it, and, like, to some extent, there was, like... I wasn't very open to listening to them at the time, um, because of that. Like they just had the the like youth group sting on them. Yeah. Um and but like now going back it's like, oh yeah, I mean this was this was totally fine. Like I I would have listened to any other band that sounded like this who wasn't Christian and, and would have been into it.
1: Yeah, and, and I think there's an argument to be made if we're gonna have repressive cultures that force children to only consume certain kinds of media which sucks they at least deserve to have music that doesn't suck. Like, that's that's my stance on that. I I firmly think that, you know, forcing your children to only be in one worldview is bad. But if they are forced to have only media from that worldview, I'd rather they have some music that doesn't fucking suck.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the issue, I think, is for the bands themselves. Um, like, you really have to be... You either have to be, like, this band, where there's, like, crossover potential that you're actually willing to work for like this like six toured with Ten Thousand maniacs and they toured with um, a band called over the rhine who mm-hmm. is also a christian band but not like a they, they are christians who are in a band they're not a christian band even yeah. though like their songs do deal with religion sometimes um and like uh six whose band name comes from c.s lewis they, they're also weirdly c.s lewis obsessed because like For a while all the if you wanted to be a christian and and also try to have like some intellectual integrity you thought c.s lewis was like the greatest thing ever even though he he sucks and his writing sucks
1: oh come on now
0: (laughs) no he's he sucks and his writing is like i i've read i read mere christianity just to see and it's like fucking shitty terrible arguments and i mean just like it's just pascal's wager basically anyway that's neither here nor there Um, Where I was going with that argument is, like, if you want to be, like, the soporific, hypnotic, cultish worship band, like, you can get paid for that. Mm -hmm. But you, most bands who are like, well, we're Christians, but we also like music, like, aren't ever gonna be able to make a living
1: at it. These are the Christians that like C.S. Lewis, but really like The Chronicles of Narnia. And we like The Chronicles of Narnia because it was a fantasy escapism world that you could have that your parents didn't immediately shoo you away from.
0: Uh, yeah, which is, I mean, and, and that's really, like, a good parallel to um, to this band. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're the Sundays that your parents will let you buy because you can buy it at the Christian record store. It's not as good as the real thing, but it, it's good enough to, like, that you don't want to kill yourself if that's all you have.
1: And you're getting better music. Like, that's... That's why I've never been opposed to you know Christian metal, even though I know many people who are opposed to that. I've never been opposed to Christian rap, apart from it being terrible. You just can't rap about the Lord. It's just you can't. Uh,
0: no, it, it usually is gonna suck. Um, there is a Christian, um, a Christian Power Electronics group that is for- that was formed expressly as uh, a counterpoint to white house called black house wow yeah it, it i mean it's funny because they sound like every power electronics band sounds it, i mean <laughs> they they do the like same vocal style and everything it, it's amazing it, it's actually not that great but <laughs> it's amazing that it exists
1: yeah i mean christians trapped in one world do you desperately want that that's the, the the issue with just christianity especially evangelical christianity that is so opposed to worldliness that you'd still want that worldliness you know what you're getting is shit and you're you damn near anything to broaden your world even though it's to make your walled garden a little prettier but that's 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 what christian music does and then and Sixpence none the richer if I were stuck in that world would have been a relief.
0: Oh yeah. I, I would for sure have been like way into them and you know, and as well as the Tooth and Nail bands who I liked. Like
1: I like Joy Electric a great. Joy film.
0: Electric's awesome. Um I, I I keep wanting to say Starflyer fifty nine and then I'm realizing I don't know for sure that they were on Tooth and Nail. It's which Starflyer fifty nine is the I can't remember his name, but it's the uh Ronnie Martin from Joy Electric, his brother is the Starflyer Fifty Nine guy, cool. so not not surprising that they're both good. But Starflyer Fifty Nine is kind of a like like Daisy rock. I mean, it's it's harder rock, but it has like Shoe Daisy touches. So like those would definitely have been my my solace. I mean, I I bought those records, and I had the option to buy stuff that you know was not Christian music. So
1: I think your parents were very much like, well, I'm not going to hear it, so I'm just going to not. I think they might have tried with your sister and they're just like, yeah, that didn't work. So we're just going to just <laughs> not do it here.
0: I'm amazed that they let me listen to the Smiths. They, they fucking heard Sheila take a bow. They knew what was in those songs.
1: <laughs> oh, we just can't stop you. You're just going to go out of the house and do the things anyway.
0: I hid my Cure albums. That was the one that was the only band I listened to where I hid, hid them because the covers looked... And based on the way the covers looked, I knew that they would take offense mm-hmm. because of Robert Smith and his lipstick.
1: Yeah, that's that's a reasonable that's a reasonable accommodation to make.
0: But other than that, I didn't like I didn't have to hide my Smashing Pumpkins albums.
1: No, but yeah, this is yeah, this is album took us on a weird journey. But like, yeah,
0: I feel like we haven't talked about it at all. But like, I really don't know what to say about this other than do you it, like the Sundays?
1: Yeah. And it's not bad. And like, it's. I wanted to start with this one just as an introduction to it because they this album really did exist in a time frame where worship music was becoming more of a thing. So, because it had taken a a big departure from, like, you know, country music had always been... Country and folk always had this, like, Christian leaning to it. But then that's also started becoming very opp- oppressive and dark-sounding. That's what, like... like having gone to a a mountain Baptist church where people would sing I Fly Away in the most depressing way possible. Yeah. This is not that. And the 90s was very much like, okay, the world is way more connected and worldly than it ever has been. We have to change what Christian music sounds like. It's kind of started in the 80s, but the 90s is when it was really moved into its own thing. Yeah. And this band is the beginning of that in a lot of ways. It's it's a Christian band that's not terrible. It's one that can serve both the purpose of a congregation needing to wave their hands in the air and also someone who just needs to feel some emotions to some pretty lyrics. And feeling emotions to some pretty lyrics is something that Christian kids are denied a lot. Yeah. (laughs) And it's something that's super important.
0: Yeah, and it's why so many songs are, you know, there's the the Jesus is my boyfriend thing, like where so many songs are just pop songs but like occasionally they'll say jesus but otherwise the lyrics are like exactly the same and that's how this album is too like for the most part um there there are songs where i think that they are explicitly talking about god but it's hard to tell because it's it it could very easily just be like any other like indie pop song from the time and like these lyrics aren't bad for the most part i mean trust is terrible but like it's a worship song it's it's just bad all around um, but like the ones that aren't like Field of Flowers that could be about someone who's happy because she found God or yeah. it could just be about being happy like who who knows you know so it, it's like and, and in that regard they're not bad lyrics I mean no. it's, it's not embarrassing vague you know
1: it has that, that dreamy adolescent quality to it that's not necessarily bad but it, it comes from a very an emotionally overstuffed place But like, it's just a little too, it's a little weepy, it's a little sentimental, but there's a place in reality for music like that, like, that throughout time, we've made music that is just a little too sentimental, and that's kind of what all of their music sounds like to me. And if you're in the mood for it, eat that delicious candy. If you're not (laughs) in the mood for it, that is way too sweet.
0: Yeah, and if you liked this, but it's too sweet, listen to Over the Rhine, because Over the Rhine is like a much more... Heady, serious, dark version of this. Yeah. Um. Not nearly as Sundays influenced. Um. Even though it, it like every band that sounds remotely like this from the early '90s was influenced by the Sundays. But, <laughs> but Over the Rhine is much darker than that, and yeah. and really good. And we will get to talk about them eventually on the show because I I really love some Over the Rhine. Um, the the band that I was in in high school, our bassist, Over the Rhine was her favorite band. Oh, nice. And she uh, yeah, she would go off about how their bassist was the best bassist in the world. Um so, I think we're ready to rank this one. Yeah. All right, hit me with where you think this should go.
1: Uh I think it's uh probably above Carved in Sand.
0: Um I think that's I was probably going to say, well, okay, so, I mean, this is one where...
1: I mean, I can see it going as low as between Putting on the Inside of Monster, just because it's just not a whole, really substantial, but I think it is pretty enough to listen to that it, it fits yeah. this, it hangs with Carved in Sand.
0: Yeah, so I'm of two minds, because musically, this is, like, kind of in my wheelhouse and, and like, stuff that I like a lot. Mm-hmm but man i i'm having a hard time we, we didn't mention that trust is actually on the album twice there's two different versions of it it's a reprise it.
1: at the end of
0: the album i mean it's a completely different it's like a string and piano arrangement at the end and it's like god it how high can we put an album that has the worst song on it twice so so like in in i mean shit like if like i'm thinking about like where would i rank the sundays like where would I put reading, writing, and arithmetic and it would be a lot higher but there's, man, it's it's really hard for me to want to put this above pretty on the inside <laughs> even though music, even though like, again, if it were Harriet Wheeler singing and writing the lyrics it would easily go above that <laughs> but mm-hmm. like when it has trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding repeated 6,000 times as a song that appears twice on the album it, like, i really don't want to put that above something as good as teenage horror but also yeah so uh, where where is your compromise position on this one because i i don't think it's as good as carved in sand
1: uh, by I'm, any means uh, just above monster um or i i would be willing to put it below monster to have it on even footing with pretty on the inside just slightly better because i think it's a better album overall tonally
0: yeah i think that's yeah i'm just having a real internal battle because it's like the really the only reason i'm like so opposed to it is is how much i hate trust
1: that's fair Um, that's a reasonable i mean like because like
0: all in all like i'd much rather listen to this than monster but i also feel like well, shit. The only song that has, like, particularly good lyrics on Monster is What's the Frequency, Kenneth. So, yeah, if you want to put it above Monster, that's probably where I would feel best about it.
1: I, I'm definitely going to listen to it more than, than the the Caulfields album. Yeah, like, I mean, it's... I'm not
0: even really opposed to it going above. Yeah, I mean, I I, I would be happy with it between Carved in Sand and Whirly, so it would be the new number 13.
1: I think it's on par with that. I think it's. I think that's where it should be, because it's... It's not offensive, it's not over quality, it has some issues but it can hang in that same just sort of dreamy stylized music as Carved in Sand. That's not necessarily why we're ranking it that way but like I think of albums that don't really cause a problem but have some issues, that's like a good middle of the road list. So yeah, I'm fine with that.
0: Yeah, okay, cool. So we will put it at number 13 for now? Yeah. Um... Alright, so let's uh gird our loins and come back and talk about Pearl Jam. All right, we are back and we are about to have a fucking throwdown because our next album here on our 10th episode is 10 by Pearl Jam. And goddamn, I love this album so much and you don't.
1: I just it's his fucking voice. I'm gonna go ahead and say that like. That, a, that is like, a
0: completely valid criticism. Yeah.
1: So my thing is, this musically Pearl Jam is fine, and I even think their their work sounds fine too. But I realized when listening to this album that I had really only heard ten and hated it because of his <laughs> voice. Like, fucking, learn to sing and don't garble marbles. Like, sorry.
0: Oh no, that's that's fine. That, that I mean, like I said that. Eddie Vedder's voice is the, the thing that you can most criticize about this. I think his singing gets way worse later in, in Pearl Jam's career. Like, Vitology, when he apparently took the criticisms of his singing to heart and tried to sing higher. Oh, man, it's bad. Ugh. Oh, I like this Eddie Vedder so much better than that Eddie Vedder. Um,
1: oh, Jesus Christ. I finally looked it up. So, Pearl Jam predates Nickelback.
0: Oh yeah, of course. And of
1: course, I and, I and the thing that might be the reason I don't like Pearl Jam is that Nickelback so offended my sensibilities that anything that sounded like Nickelback and and the singer of Nickelback is absolutely imitating Eddie Vedder's voice. What
0: about Creed though? Creed imitates them way more. than I don't Nickelback. know what
1: about that one Creed album hits <laughs> real hard, and that's it. I am ashamed of that time in my life, but like that one Creed album, it's good. Oh man! It, but it's in the 2000s, so we don't have to talk about it.
0: <laughs> I thought we looked it up, and it was like 99. Well,
1: it might be 99. Ooh. I think they have
0: one album. I I remember us,
1: but the thing laughing is, laughing
0: about Creed, and you looked it up, and there was like one Creed album in the 90s.
1: But the, the the difference between these guys and Eddie Vedder is that Eddie's voice is just so he can't sing. He can't sing, and it's he's doing vocal tricks. That people do when they can't hold and sustain
0: yeah and
1: that's what annoys me because the other guys can sing and they're imitating this voice they're they're imitating this voice and capable of hitting notes he can't and he's always doing vocal glides he's always uh, opening his mouth to distort the way a sound is happening and from an actual performance place that wrecks your fucking throat it wrecks your voice and it sounds trash. So I don't like Pearl Jam because he is doing things that were terrible and things that I had been hit with sticks to not do. Uh,
0: So, yeah, I mean, beyond even that, Pearl Jam directly inspired a lot of the worst music of the 90s. It's true. But goddamn, this album is so fucking good. I love it. I fucking love this album
1: I mean, even flow is fine i like that song
0: uh, i i think every song on the album with the exception of oceans is at least very good most of them are better than very good <laughs> oceans is terrible that's like the one just like massive bummer on the album um it, from my standpoint like
1: mm-hmm.
0: is, so this so and, and and i will also admit that jeremy like,
1: sucks too jeremy oh no,
0: God, jeremy's so good I didn't realize how good Jeremy was until we started listening to this too, because I was morally obligated to be like, oh yeah, whatever, Jeremy, because I was a teenager when this came out. And so I had to be like, oh, that's the one they play on the radio. You need to fucking hear Porch. And I stand by that. The Porch is the best Pearl Jam song. It's one of the best rock songs of the 90s. Porch just fucking owns so hard.
1: Oh, would you venture to say it slaps?
0: I porch slaps. It owns. <laughs> it rocks. It kicks ass. It's so fun. Such a great song. Oh
1: god, I just I, um, I can't.
0: So like, and and I will admit that my view on this album is slightly nostalgia tainted. Like I don't think it's very nostalgia tainted because there's stuff I have way more nostalgia for that I don't think is this good. Um. But, like, it, it, it is a warm, fuzzy place for me to go back and listen to this record, because this was a really, like, this and Nevermind were, like, the two albums that, for like, for a lot of people, that was their musical awakening. A lot of people my age, that was, like, their musical awakening. For yeah. me, it was, like, I had been listening to The Cure, I'd been listening to New Order, I'd been listening to The Smiths and Morrissey. I'd been listening to Depeche Mode, and then I heard this, and I was like, "Oh fuck! Rock music can be good."
1: You feel <laughs> you feel about this album the way that I feel about uh, without you, I'm nothing with Bible placebo, which will be a similar, just like I that album slaps, <laughs> and I we, I'm not going to hear otherwise.
0: I don't. I don't think I. I don't dislike, you. I think you think I hate Placebo because I make fun of the lyrics. Like, the lyrics are real bad, but, like, Placebo's not bad. But
1: the what I'm talking about in this place is that I think that this album resonates with you in a way that Placebo resonated with me. I didn't hear them, when I didn't hear that album when it came out, but I heard it when I was coming into, you know, this place of acknowledging and accepting queerness, and that album was just, like, explicitly queer, and I was like, fuck, yes, and I, I needed that, and... Pearl Jam's music sounds great. It's just, vocally, I can't hit, it doesn't hit with me.
0: Yeah, and Pearl Jam does not think this album sounds great. Um, I read up on that a little bit, and they all say this that they think this album is unlistenable, and, and the, don't want to go back to whatever.
1: The way that Even Flow fucking hits is good. Like, yeah. I, that, that song is the only Pearl Jam song most people know. And you hear that song come on, and people are like, I'm gonna paint this house to this to this song and feel it.
0: <laughs> is that a millennial thing, not knowing any other Pearl Jam songs? Because I feel like Jeremy is the Pearl Jam song everybody knows. Has it Jeremy is one, been forgotten?
1: It, well, so the thing is, I th- uh, my my one big slap on this album is that they, it all every song sounds the same, and it doesn't if you they don't if you listen to them. But if you were from an outside perspective, not really giving a fuck about Pearl Jam, they all sound the same, and I think that might be why they don't like Ten as much because this album is very samey sounding something they intentionally tried not to do later on
0: yeah so the reason they don't like it or at least what the guitarist stone jossard said is that so this was mixed by a guy named tim palmer and basically it was like when you're a new band you don't necessarily like know a lot about production and mixing and stuff unless you've been like really doing it yourself which is which was not nearly as common in the late 80s, early 90s when they were doing this stuff. Um, So basically they just went into a studio and recorded and then it got sent off to this guy in England to to mix it and he put more reverb on everything Mm. and they fucking hated that. It was like how Robin Guthrie said he nearly quit the music business because the associates produced the first <laughs> two talk well, to Twin EP and he hated it so much. The Associates fucking suck. Um, so. It was a similar thing to that of like, oh, this person doesn't fucking get what we're going for at all, and just like slapped some generic reverb on it. So the thing is they did re there's a like a re-released expanded version of 10 where they remixed it. And took that reverb out, and I don't think it sounds nearly as good.
1: No, and I think it needed that. I think the the song needed a little bit of resonance and that, that was something that grunge bands don't get sometimes, that they either use way too much or not at all. And it's like, you know, sometimes you can just make a sound feel more rounded and it makes everything sound better.
0: Yeah, I think it has like a more epic, like mythical classic rock feel with that reverb. Yeah um which i mean this is a very classic rock inspired band mm-hmm. it, like they clearly like janes addiction a lot but also like if you go back and listen to the band that pearl jam formed out of which was mother lovebone like that is just straight up like aerosmithy classic rock that, that's it, the
1: name it, of a band that someone listens <laughs> to in their pickup truck
0: yeah it they fucking sucked it's terrible and i'm glad that we don't have to do them on the show because i would not call them an alternative band at all it's, it's just straight up like talk rock basically yeah and it it sucks and but at the same time like that was not like a genre that was no that was thought of as like stripped down and raw you know it was they were all about studio production so i'd like i don't I don't really get where the sudden hatred of like, oh my god, they put reverb on the guitars. I think it's came the Grunge
1: sensibilities. They hung out with the, with enough people that all were like, "Fuck the way the man wants us to do stuff." <laughs> that like you, and if you didn't have if you didn't, if you didn't have say if someone put reverb on your music and you weren't particularly agreeable to people doing stuff to your music without your explicit like permission, wouldn't you bristle a bit?
0: Yeah, I would, but. Man, it, it's just hard for me to, like, imagine a world where you don't think this album sounds really good. It Like, and specifically, it, it's... Like, the musicianship on this album is so far beyond, like, most bands associated with it and most bands uh, inspired by it.
1: Oh, they're the, they're the fucking geeks of that whole scene.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, well, they came out of a classic rock background where you learned... To, I mean, like I hate to say it this way, but like you learn to play your instrument. You they fucking you learn to shred.
1: Yeah, like most grunge groups couldn't. They they, yeah. they could later in their careers because they learned how to shred. But it took them learning their instruments to get that far. Uh,
0: yeah, and so I mean, and there's Kirkabane there are chords on this album that you do not hear on any other album at the time except for Jane's Addiction or like the Rollins Band.
1: <laughs> and Jane's Addiction can play, and the Rollins Band, yeah. also.
0: Yeah, Dave Navarro is an amazing guitarist. Yeah. And um, or like it, you would hear it later with, you know, Tom Morello and Rage, Rage Against the Machine. But like for the time, this was not like it kind of surprises me that this took off to the extent it did, because this is very not cool for the time. Um,
1: it's a crossover album. I think this is an episode of crossovers. This album has a broad appeal that its numbers were probably fueled by it, not by the people in the scene listening to music in the same scene, but people who heard people listening to that music went like, that, I need that. I need that, that Pearl Jam thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, the, like, Smashing Pumpkins would be another example of, like... Very much so. Something that, that is... I need that. ...musically way more uh, complex and, and studied then, than the other stuff that was popular at the time. Um, and that's a reason I respect Billy Corgan is, like, for everything bad that you can say about him, the one thing he has never done has been, like, we need to just go into the studio and just record it live. We need, we need to just strip it all down. No, Billy Corgan's like, I'm going to show you that I'm a kick-ass rock musician by layering 80 tracks of guitar during this solo. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I respect that so much more than, like... It's a su- it's selling out if you produce your album.
1: <laughs> oh, Corgan's a nerd too in a different way. Like he's a he's a he's a gear nerd. Yeah, and, he's
0: a colossal fucking nerd.
1: And but he comes out of that like I think almost shoegaze tradition of just like look at my fucking gear, bro. <laughs> and Pearl Jam's not that, which is but they're but they're too they're, they're almost too good to have been associated with grunge in the way they were. Yeah. But they were associated with grunge because they had an attitude that invoked that same style. They were just the nerds of grunge. They're, well, they're-
0: I, th- I think why they were associated with grunge is a they were based in Seattle hmm. and and b they um Eddie Vedder's politics. Like Eddie Vedder is pretty leftist <laughs> yeah I, I don't know for sure if he's you know a marxist but like if you listen to and it, it's not as clear on this album on their on the follow-up to this versus i mean he is just he's out there he, he is the only white musician who was getting played on the radio at the time who was like singing f- about fuck the police and singing about gun control and like that stuff doesn't come through so much on this album because these songs are a little more like storytelling songs yeah but so like one of the reasons i like porch so much a it's just a badass song but b at the time this album came out um and i tried to find this on youtube and there's no video footage of it there is an audio recording with still shots from from the show Mm -hmm. um they did porch on saturday night live and eddie vedder came out in a t shirt with a coat hanger on it. And in the middle of the song, where it's just like a sort of downbeat instrumental break on the album, he started singing, like, A Woman Has Every Right to Choose, A Woman Has Every Right to Choose for Herself.
1: Yeah, and, can respect and that,
0: that was, again, like, not something that was. I mean, that was relatively brave at the time for a. I mean, we call it alternative, but I mean, this was kind of the mainstream at, at that point. Oh, yeah. And I just and you know, you you put that out there and then like Eddie Vetter's sort of one man quest against Ticketmaster to get them to stop fucking people who wanna to go to Pearl Jam shows. Like yeah. I just feel like he is like a cool guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, and and that's fine. I'm I'm sorry, man, I hate your voice so much, but like it's
0: but like he's, I don't think he gets enough credit as a lyricist either. Like, yeah, I think the lyrics on this album are really good for the most part. Like, and not I would all be able to them, appreciate
1: but... them more if someone else was singing them. Like, it's it's
0: yeah. It, I I think his voice works on this album.
1: Well, I, he he stops getting worse. Like like he well it was well not that's not it. he it's before he got worse with it, and I just
0: yeah. So like he. I love the first two Pearl Jam albums and basically don't like anything else. Like, dislike to hate every other album they've ever put out. And a lot of that has to do with he... Like, first he went through, like, I'm gonna try to stop singing like Eddie Vedder. Like, like the, the stereotypical Eddie Vedder voice. And then went back to, like, no, fuck it, I'm gonna be the most Eddie Vedder. I'm, oh, yeah. Like, I'm gonna show all you pretenders how it's done. And, and, like, both of those are bad.
1: Well, yeah, it was like... But imagine how much how much it must suck to be him. He's like everyone shit on my voice, and now all these terrible bands with bad politics are using my voice. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and
0: people. So like, I have a weird thing with Pearl Jam, where they were the first band that I like made a conscious decision that I was going to hate them because it was cool. Mm. Um, so I I don't remember because I was way into them at first, and then for some reason, I like I must have just heard a bunch of bands I like say they were shit. And I, I remember like as a teenager and I never would have told anyone this at the time, but just consciously being like, all right, I'm, I'm going to hate Pearl Jam. That's going to be my thing. <laughs> That's going to be how I differentiate myself from all the people who I don't think are as cool as me is I'm going to hate Pearl Jam. And like, I took my copy of 10 and smashed it with a hammer and honed the pieces up in our, in my band's practice space. <laughs>
1: I never gone that hard.
0: Yeah, I I went that hard with Pearl Jam, and and like, and it took me a while to like stop dying on that hill. I mean, like, I was well into college before I would even listen to them again, and then I went back and listened to Ten, or like I heard even flow on the radio one day or something, and I was like, man, that song's pretty. Even get you. <laughs> and now i'm like old enough that i can just completely be like i fucking love this album so much and i should never have pretended that i hated it
1: yeah and, and my thing is like i can i can go ahead and, and admit that the music is good it's just i can't with the way that he sings and yeah
0: then and, and that's totally i i totally get that and it's i mean I, you you know every other band i like this is not a oh, style yeah. of singing i'm into at all
1: no and i think it's also just the the hindsight of just how much shit the style of singing inspired
0: because like yeah it- <sighs> but like god just like once the, the song that opens the album is so good and even flow is so good and i'm not a huge fan of alive but like it's really People good love that song yeah, uh, I don't like it as much, but, like, I mean, just this song, it, like, until Oceans, which is, like, track seven, e- this is just one fucking banger after another.
1: Yeah.
0: And, I mean, like, I know you said you don't like Jeremy. I Like, listening to Jeremy again, that was the biggest revelation for me, is, like, just again, even when I liked Pearl Jam, I have to say that the song that was on the radio was the worst one. But, man, like, going back and listening to it now, I'm like, fuck, this was so good. Why did I not... <laughs> <laughs> admit how good this was
1: uh peer pressure so i'm gonna I'm a tell you a dark secret of bands that you're you know first band you're actively told to hate but you're gonna just be like what really <laughs> i don't hate smash mouth i used to really hate smash mouth and i don't know what it is they're not their music's not great but i somehow in, the, in my heart just can't bring myself to hate all star. I just. I can't. have
0: no ill will toward Smash Mouth, Smash Mouth. The people. I. It's a style of music I find completely obnoxious.
1: Yeah, I know I get it, but it's very, it's one of those sounds that just sounds like you know my childhood.
0: Yeah. It sounds like
1: when I was doing downhill skate racing, and that that album was on. And
0: I mean, I'm not gonna like sit here and and like say I, I've lost respect for you because of that or anything. No, like, like it's not that kind of thing. It's just, man, this this style of music is just so. The like anti Natalie,
1: <laughs> yeah, and Smash Mouth is kind of not really anything I'd be into. Yeah, so like I can, I'm sharing this this moment of vulnerability with you <laughs> to to mitigate the shitstorm that's about to hit us.
0: Okay, so how how do you feel about the song Black? I, I was I was wondering if you were going to totally hate that one.
1: It's fine. I I just everything on the album is sort of the, the same. But that one didn't suck.
0: Okay. I was just curious if, if that was gonna be like your oceans. Because Oceans is like oceans the one song that I think is real bad.
1: No, I, I don't like Oceans at all. Uh I don't like Jeremy. Everything else is just sort of like there. Even um, flow hits real hard.
0: Yeah, I man, I like it a lot. <laughs> I'm having trouble like coming up with, with a lot of coherent stuff to say. Um So one thing I learned about this that I did not know is that Alive, once, and then a B-side called Footsteps are like a trilogy that is all the same narrator. Hmm. And that the subtext of Alive is that his mother like raped him, basically. Because he looked like his biological father. And so the idea is that Alive is about that... And then once is about him becoming a, a serial killer because of it, and then footsteps is like his last words before he gets executed for it for the for killing people in the song once so hmm. just interesting I mean, I don't think that like elevates those songs particularly, but
1: no but that's a that's a, that's a lot to drop on this podcast <laughs> yeah
0: it's eddie vetter was was like thinking about some shit that like. You didn't hear a lot in the mainstream in the mm-hmm. in in the early '90s, and and definitely not from white artists. Again, with his tapes on police, yeah. Um, I mean, like, yeah, N.W.A. and Ice Cube and Ice T were all saying "fuck the police," but even uh, even Kurt Cobain didn't really do that. Nope. so Pearl Jam deserves more respect than than they get. Not a whole lot more, but. They're one of those bands that like, Pearl Jam is, is like fish for me. The people who hate them, hate them too much. And the people who really like them, like them too much.
1: Mm. I mean, my thing is, if, if he had just not done those vocal tricks, like I, it would be way better for me. That That's, that's really it. And I think that comes from a place where I was, I have that so enforced in my head of how not to do things and how not to make sounds. That, like, even when people say your but say chore, that pisses me off. So, like, and that's a simple one. And now that I've told you, I've said this before on this podcast, but seriously.
0: Oh, no, I know you hate that. That one doesn't bother me. The, the vocal glide thing, like, from Marcy Playground really bothered me. Mm-hmm. But that was more because of how nasally it was. Like, yeah. I, I don't mind it that much unless you combine it with also having a really nasally voice.
1: And I'll give you that one. And that's probably his weakest point, which he doesn't do as much <clears throat> in later Marcy Playground.
0: So. We're gonna have to rank this, so mm-hmm. we might as well stop talking about it because we're probably gonna There's probably gonna be some mashing su- of tea. You'll be
1: surprised for what I'm willing to do.
0: Okay. So I'm gonna swing for the fences and say that this should be number three.
1: Uh I was gonna say number four. Because the lyrics are just better on Kill Uncle than this album.
0: Are the lyrics on Kill Uncle so good as to make up for the fact that it sounds like dog shit? It doesn't sound like dog shit. It sounds like the the version on Spotify doesn't sound as much like dog shit, but like that album sounds bad.
1: I I don't think it sounds bad. I think it's it's still better than this Pearl Jam album. I'm not gonna let you put Pearl Jam above Morrissey. So. <laughs> <laughs> At least not that Morrisy. See,
0: is, uh, see like, yeah, that's that's crazy to me because like, like. When we eventually rank Southpaw Grammar, I would want to put that above ten, but I don't understand that that devotion for Kill on Gold. But I,
1: it just it just really works, Natalie. I don't.
0: <laughs> I might even put um, Maladjusted over ten. I'm not sure. It'd be close actually, but. Well, I had prepared for a lot more of a fight, yeah you um, thought you
1: thought I was going to be ridiculous no i'm not an I'm not a moron. I, yeah. I can i I know the prominence of this album like I knew the Marcy playground thing was going to be a harder fight because I wanted to put it further up the list because of how ubiquitous sex and candy was, but I knew that was a dead fucking fight that was a fight that was dead on arrival because <laughs> it's one song versus the rest of the songs of that album this there's not one song that is truly truly objectionable to the modern populace and the fact that this one album is the only pearl jam album that anyone ever fucking hears even in modern rotation like you could be listening to a modern alter- like a current alternative station and then suddenly an even flow shows up like that album is yeah. ubiquitous in oh, a way I mean, it's,
0: it's the best pearl jam album i yeah. think Versus is also really good like i would almost put them like side by side but i think 10 the songwriting is better um Okay, yeah. I mean, if if like at some point something is has to be better than Kill on but because
1: oh, well, the album I'm bringing next week is but uh... oh, <laughs> now,
0: now I'm now I'm scared. <laughs> but okay, if we if we have to put ten at number four, then I will I will live with that.
1: Yeah, the new number four is ten.
0: Yeah, that that's not confusing at all. <laughs> all right. Well, let's uh put that in there and read this list out. Alright, so not huge changes to our top 10 this week, but um, at number 10 now, we have Cobra and FaZe's group play Voltage in the Milky Night by Stereolab. Number 9, Gratuitous Sax and Senseless Violins by Sparks. Number 8, Reaching a New Refutation of Time and Space by Dateable Planets. Number 7, What to Do About Them by The Swirlies. Number 6, What's the Story Morning Glory by Oasis. Number 5, Eight Arms to Hold You by Veruca Salt. Number four is Tin by Pearl Jam. Number three, Till Uncle by Morrissey. Number two, Philosophy of Momus by Momus. And number one, Liberation by The Divine Comedy. And it is now time to talk about what we're bringing next week. What do you got?
1: Superstition by Susie and the Banshees. Oh my. Yeah, Like I said, it was going to be uh, a thing. <laughs> I,
0: I, it might be bold to say that one's better than Till Uncle, but I haven't listened to it in a long time, so we'll see. Um, and I am going to annoy the shit out of you and everybody, because I am going to bring Fuzao by Fei Wong, and that is the only time I'm going to do with my bad Chinese pronunciation. Um, and I'm just going to go with the translation, or one of the many translations, which is Impatience. Um, no one seems to be able to agree on how the title should be translated, but that's the one I see the most often. Um, if you want to look for it on Spotify, it's the one with a gray cover, and there's two pictures of her, one with her hands over her eyes and one with her hand over her mouth on the cover. That, that's how you can find that one. Okay. And it will be on our uh, official, in our 1990s playlist, which is uh, will be linked in the show notes.
1: I don't think that's gray. It's more of a pink tone on Spotify.
0: Oh, yeah. It, okay. it. I have the see. I have a physical copy of that one, and it's. It, I remember it looking more gray. But okay, yeah. So it's pink, and it has two pictures where she has her hands over her eyes and over her mouth.
1: Yep, adding to the playlist now. And mine is the version of "Superstition" on Spotify is the expanded version, but I'm going to be adding the just in the the original track listing.
0: Yeah, or just search by the album title because sometimes they don't list the. The non expanded version with the band for some reason. But if you search the album title, you can find it. I don't know. That's how Stereo Lab was. Superstition is the one with Kiss Them For Me, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. Also a pink album cover.
1: Yes, with her in a yellow dress.
0: Well, Kiss Them For Me is going to be one of the best songs that we've done on the show so far. Yes. So that song is fantastic. All right. So, clean up for this week. You can find our official show playlist on Spotify if you search for in our nineteen nineties as well as the podcast itself. And if you would like to see our complete rankings, which we're now up to twenty songs that we've ranked. Oh my god.
1: Yeah, we listen to a lot um, of music.
0: Yeah. So that is at bitly B-I-T slash our nineteen nineties B I T dot L Y slash I N O U R one nine nine zero S and you can see our full top twenty there still a work in progress yes all right well now that we've changed our recording day to sunday you have other shit that you have to do so let's uh Uh,
1: yes i have to talk to some satanists (laughs)
0: that's that's uh, that's almost an everyday thing for you at this point but um
1: i'm a very busy satanist what can i say yeah yeah the
0: the people say the idle hands are the devil's workshop but you you proved that wrong
1: yeah devil's workshop is a fucking sweatshop
0: uh, yeah <laughs> you work really hard for the devil <laughs> you, don't, <laughs> I... you don't have time for idle
1: hands <laughs> that i do
0: all right well we're gonna wrap it up then um i hope that you all love pearl jam as much as i do and i hope next week you will love hey wang and Susie and the banshees because also awesome all right see you next week happy father's Day.